Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome back to another episode of the Small Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Fairman, and it has been a hot minute since I did an episode. I know, I know. I just went through my phone, actually, and it was the last episode was on the 8th of April. Thank you all, though, for your patience. I have actually good reason as to why there's not been any episodes. I have been super busy, and I'm going to talk through what I was up to in Berlin, which is where I have been for the last week or so. I was there with Formula E and, like, so much to fill you in on. Um, in fact... I recorded a full like 30 minute episode yesterday breaking down Berlin and then Formula One went and announced the changes to the sprint format which is happening this weekend in Baku and I thought maybe I can just chuck a little bit on at the end of that podcast and then Alpha Tauri announced that Franz Tost is going to be leaving the team at the end of the season and I thought you know what there's so much F1 news and gossip that I want to talk to you about as well as the Formula E stuff that I'm going to scrap that episode. Instead We're going to start new and you know the drill guys, get yourself settled in, get that kettle on, make yourself a brew and let's dissect it all. Before we get started and talking about the serious stuff, let, well, to be honest, this could be seen as a very serious matter for somebody like me in which my entire personality is that I love tea and I drink it all the time. I'm telling you now, working in motorsports, I didn't realise it was so difficult to get your hands on a good cup of tea. Honestly, I treasured that first cup of tea that I had when I got home, you know, putting the kettle on, getting myself tea in a mug. Who knew it was such a luxury to have tea in a mug? But anyway, let's first talk about Berlin because that was where I have been for the last week or so. Once again, I took all my podcasting equipment with me on this trip. I took my microphone, my laptop, all the necessary, you know, wires and cables and stuff like that. Thought I could maybe find time in my schedule to record this podcast for you all. Nope, that did not happen. For somebody that isn't a morning person, working in motorsport can sometimes be a struggle. Of course, I'm super fortunate and super blessed to be in this position and I've worked really hard to get here. Like, I don't want to beat around the bush. I've been doing this for nearly a decade, which seems crazy. And one of these days, I'll do a proper podcast and chat about the kind of things that I did and how I got started in my motorsport journey. But I started my first blog in 2013 started writing about Formula E from 2014 which is when the first race happened so it's been a long process to get here but anyway I digress very early starts but I guess it makes it a lot easier getting out of bed in the morning knowing that you're going to be going to a racetrack there's going to be awesome people there awesome action on track and all of this kind of good stuff but anyway they were some busy busy days at the track and although most of the time it was very early starts and getting to the track between like 7, 7.30. In fact, the other, on, on the Monday, which was the rookie test day, I actually made the conscious decision 
to get to the track for like seven in the morning um, because there was a driver briefing which was happening and it was, you know, nothing maybe to some people super exciting. It was just all of the drivers in the rookie test sitting in a room with the FIA and the FIA were going through like the safety briefings, you know, the dangers of racing electric cars compared to maybe the combustion engines and stuff that they're used to driving. And... I was super nosy and was like, I'd love to sit in on this meeting. Unfortunately, that was granted. And I I love learning about motorsport. I think that's one of the things that just keeps me coming back for more because there's always going to be cool stuff to learn about, right, with motorsport, regardless if that's Formula One, Formula E. I mean, I love the fact that I haven't, I've literally dipped a toe in IndyCar, for example, or WEC or something like that. Like there's so much more to learn about different motorsport championships and like I I get so excited about the fact that one of these days I'm going to be able to go on that journey and learn about it because there's just so much to motorsport than just F1 for example but anyway I got to the track on that Monday really nice and early and was able to sit in and it was a really cool experience like it wasn't it wasn't quite as gossipy and dramatic as you know when F1 did the um driver briefings like inside of those and people were making little snarky comments here and there like it was nothing like that at all but it was still really cool to sort of sit at the back of the room and just watch these things unfold and like I say there were things that they were talking about in this driver's briefing that I was like wow I've been covering Formula E for nine seasons now and I never knew that so every day is a school day but anyway Berlin was awesome because I was able to do lots of things that I am not I wouldn't necessarily put myself in that position shall we say so for example after the rookie test on Monday um, I went and did a sit-down chat with Saunders CB. He's like one of the main presenters for Formula E and just a very informal, casual chat about how the rookies got on, which rookies I was looking forward to seeing, cracked a few jokes here and there, you know, all that kind of good stuff. That's now gone on the Formula E YouTube channel. It's on their app that they have. And presenting is something that maybe down the line I'd like to get more into, but it's still something that is not you know, I'm recording this podcast, for example, I'm comfortable doing so. But if I say something and I make a mistake or I slip up or I say something that I'm like, oh, maybe I I don't want to talk about that just yet or whatever. I'm in control of that. I can edit this. I can make it sound, I can make myself sound great, you know, (laughs) because the reality is probably quite different. Like I've already made several amendments to this podcast and deleting clips and chopping things up here and there. And same when it comes to writing I think one of the things that I found comfort in was that I could write a sentence and then 10 minutes later look back at it and go oh no actually that's a bit rubbish and like delete it and rewrite it or I can word it how I want to say this specific thing you know like presenting especially live content is quite a daunting thing because you're like well if I say something then it's out there on the internet forever and I'm a massive overthinker Uh, You would never have guessed, right? But I really am. So anyway, Berlin was really cool. I also had the chance to do Media Pen, which is something which I really love doing. Um, Don't get me wrong, it's not been something that I've always been comfortable with. In fact, when I went to my first Formula E race as accredited media, in fact, it was my first race ever as accredited media, I went to Formula E 
Season three, Monaco. What a first race to pick to be accredited, by the way. Just ridiculous. But anyway, that was my first race as media with my special lanyard and, you know, getting access to the press areas and seeing how a media center works. And on that Friday, they had this media pen. And if maybe you're not familiar with that, it's basically all the drivers clumped together in this one small space and it's a bit like elbows out, just trying to basically see who you want to speak to, grab them, have your chat amongst all of these other people and, you know, go from there. And the idea of that, oh my goodness, it was so overwhelming for me, like this young woman who is just sort of making her way in the space, trying to figure out what she wants to do. I was writing for my own blog at the time, so I didn't have an editor sort of barking orders to me or steering me, navigating me on things to talk about. It was all basically like me finding my own way, finding my feet. And I overthought the idea of this media pen so much that I had like basically a panic attack in the media center. And I couldn't get myself to stand up from my seat and walk down the stairs and go to the media pen. Like I was just petrified. Fortunately, I had and still do have a really wonderful close-knit group of friends in that motorsport paddock and Rob Watts is somebody who I have been to several Formula E events with now. He's one of my closest friends. I adore him. I know that he sometimes listens to the podcast. So Rob, if you're listening, hello. Um, But Rob basically gave me a pep talk. Rob's pep talks, by the way, became a very important thing for helping me build my confidence. But You know, he was just basically trying to comfort me and say, it's okay, it's going to be fine. Like, just go down there. Even if you just ask one question, like, that'll be fine. I didn't go down there that day, but the next day I went back after the race had happened and it it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I had visions that I'd go down to the media pen and I'd like freak out and not know what to say or for, for some reason, like I'd lose my questions. I mean, at this point in my career, I had every single question that I wanted to ask, like written down and just like stuck to the questions that I had. I didn't listen to their answers. I just basically tried my best to get from A to B on the page. And then that was that. Flipping that now, I go into media pen most of the times with no questions prep. And I'm not saying every single question I ask is a, you know, amazing thing. I've stumbled over my words even this weekend like I asked a driver a question and was basically asking the same question twice in a row because I wasn't like my head properly wasn't in it but it's still like a massive amount of progress from where I was a few years ago anyway my point is normally when I would do media pen is it would just be little old me writing for my website and I take my phone in and I'd be able to sort of wiggle my way through the the crowds and I'm only small I'm only short so I managed to find a way of sort of finding little areas in between people and grabbing the drivers that I wanted to however this time I had a camera behind me and the videos were going up on the Formula E YouTube channel so there wasn't a case of me basically like squeezing in little gaps and all of that kind of stuff because we had this massive camera and like boom mic and all this kind of stuff I don't know if it's called a boom mic but you get the gist like this massive fluffy fairy mic thing and that was really cool that was different so I did some stuff behind a camera I did some stuff in front of a camera and as well as that continued with like the same kind of writing of reports and Uh, written stuff over on the website so Berlin was pretty crazy and pretty full-on but I loved it also goes without saying that the racing itself was epic like 
once you've listened to this podcast, go over and check out the race highlights from this weekend because I think, let me pull up the, the stats. We had like 300 and... Hold on, I don't want to get this wrong because I'll get told off. I won't get told off, but you know what I mean. I feel like I should know. 362 overtakes over two races. I mean, it was just epic. And like chatting to the drivers afterwards was great fun because it was like, hey, mate, that race from the outside looked pretty mental. What was it like driving it? And uh, we also had so many cool stories over the weekend from Dan Tictum leading the race in, in race one. You had Robin Freintz and Nico Muller getting onto the front row of the grid in race two for qualifying, bearing in mind that they drive for a team called Apt Cupra, who up until this weekend hadn't scored any points in season nine. And the best I think they had qualified was 13th. And then both of their cars turned out to be absolute machines in the wet because it was damp conditions and managed to beat people like Jean-Eric Verne, who is a two-time Formula E world champion, or Sebastian Buemi, who's also a former Formula E champion, in qualifying to get themselves locked out on the front row. Like, probably one of my favourite Formula E stories that I have experienced in the in the years covering it. So many cool stories. And I actually was thinking, maybe I should do a podcast, a Q&A series, or something like that, if you have any questions on Formula E, because I'm going to be covering this championship a lot, and talking about it a lot on this podcast over the next few months, because I'm going to be travelling to Monaco next week, for example, which is going to be so much fun. I love Monaco. I'm in such a lucky position that I've been there several times covering Formula E before, um, so I cannot wait to go back. But yeah, maybe I should do a podcast at some point, kind of covering Formula E and the fact that it's in Gen 3, what does that mean? What are the cars like? What is the race weekend format? Who are the drivers? Who are the teams? All of this kind of stuff. Maybe I'll try, <laughs> maybe I'll try and do that before Monaco next week. Might be quite a quite an ask but um I'll, I'll give it a go if I don't then maybe I'll do it before um some of the other rounds later on in the calendar but yeah I'm going to be talking about Formula E on this podcast a lot so get used to it guys next up let's chat about the F1 sprint changes so this was something that got announced yesterday Literally moments after I finished recording the podcast, talking all about Berlin, I know a lot of F1 content creators are like, dude, seriously? We've just had a month of no racing, and now you drop these regulation changes right at the end, in the week of the next Formula One race. Like, thanks a lot. But to be fair to Formula One, uh, they had to wait for the commission meeting and stuff like that. And all the teams had to agree to it, or at least the majority of teams had to agree to it. So... I can see why it was kind of changed and announced this week. But yeah, let's go through the 2023 F1 sprint format. So things that we knew already before this announcement was done is we're going to be having six sprint races this year. We've had three the previous two years, but it's going up to six. The first one of those was always going to be happening in Baku this weekend. Lots of people have said because it's a street circuit that... It's probably not a venue that's going to be too suited towards a sprint, but I actually disagree. I'm ready to eat my words come <laughs> come next week, but I think that we've seen a sort of mini sprint there with the whole red flag saga after Max Verstappen's tyre blowout in 2021. And although that was only two laps of racing, it was great fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes because Baku is one of my favourite races on the calendar it normally, not always, but normally chucks up quite a lot of chaos. I know the first year we went there when it was titled the European Grand Prix, 
it was a bit of a dud. It wasn't very exciting. Like they had, it had its some moments, but the following few years have been absolute bangers. I won't lie to you. Um, the sprint is also still going to be held on the Saturday. Qualifying is still being moved to the Friday, and we've still got the normal Grand Prix on a Sunday. Um, the sprints are still 100 kilometers. And uh, the points, I believe, are still the same. But we've had a change to the schedule this weekend. So let's start there and go through that. Okay, so the biggest change probably is the fact that now qualifying, which happens still on a Friday, is not going to influence the starting grid, the sprint. And a lot of people have said that this is a good thing. And to be honest with you, I I do agree because one of the things that annoyed me the most about the sprint race was that, you know, take a look at Brazil. That was the most recent sprint that we had back in 2022. Kevin Magnussen managed to get pole position on the Friday. But then come the sprint, although we all knew that Kevin wasn't exactly going to do like a lights to flag victory come Sunday, but any chance of him doing well in the race was completely erased because once we had the sprint, he dropped back. And I haven't got it to hand, but, you know, he ended up starting kind of a bit more in the mid-pack. I think it was eighth off the top of my head, but hold on. Let me fact check. This is one of the brilliant things about recording a podcast on your own, is that I can just go on my browser, on my internet, and just look these things up, rather than just try and BS my way through it. Oh my gosh, I'm not saying I'm good but I am good. So the start, the starting grid for the Brazilian Grand Prix last year, Kevin Magnussen started in P8. Honestly, how does my brain remember this stuff? But I can't remember if I had breakfast or not. Like, honestly, this is not, this is not good. But anyway, Kevin Magnussen, so he, he's qualified pole for Friday, but then lost the positions in the sprint on the Saturday. So he started Sunday's Grand Prix in eighth instead of first. It's easy, okay? Easy to understand, right? That's sarcasm, by the way. But yes, so now in 2023 structure, Kevin Magnussen would get pole on Friday and he would then start Sunday's race on pole. So that's that. Um, But come Saturday, we now have something called the Sprint Shootout, which is in place of FP2. People that hate practice... You're going to love this news because practice two has been given the heave-ho and instead we have something called the sprint shootout. Now the sprint shootout determines the grid for the F1 sprint, which uh, is going to be its own separate thing. And that's something that actually I've been saying for a long time that I think I'd like the sprint a bit more if it was its own entity and its own thing so that's what formula one are doing let's break down the sprint shootout then and this is where i think a lot of people have got quite confused and then they've read about sprint shootout and they're like oh actually this is going to be a bit weird so the shootout will be shorter than normal qualifying so q1 will be 12 minutes instead of the normal 18 minutes that we get in normal qualifying what's got a lot of people a bit like scratching their heads, let's say, is that the names of these are going to be SQ1, SQ2, and SQ3, which the S is obviously for sprint or shootout or something along those lines. Could be for stupid. Maybe that was a bit unfair. Maybe I'll take that back. Sorry, Stefano Domenicali. I know you mean your best trying to do all of these new things. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be a bit confused when maybe you say, oh, what was Hamilton's time in Q1? And you're going to be like, 
so do you, do you mean Q1 or do you mean SQ1? And they'll be like, huh? But uh, maybe I'm just looking too much into this. So we're going to have SQ1, which is for 12 minutes, SQ2 for 10 minutes, and SQ3 for 8 minutes. So that's much shorter than the normal times that we get. But also what is new for this is that there's going to be mandatory tyres for each phase. So drivers will have to use the medium tyre for SQ1 and SQ2, and then they'll have to use the softs on SQ3. What lots of people have also said is that sometimes in the sprint, look at Pierre Gasly, for example, that man had such bad luck when it came to sprints in the first season when it was introduced, which was 2021. I think it was in Monza. There was an incident on like the first lap where he lost his front wing and ended up going from like a fairly good starting position. I mean, I could try and remember off the top of my head again here and see how my brain works. I'm going to say that he started the sprint P5 Two sex, Ted. Let's see if this is correct. Oh, oh, P6. He started the sprint grid in P6. I'm a fraud, guys. I'm a fraud. <laughs> it was actually Daniel Ricciardo that started in P5. So yeah, Pierre Gasly, for example, he started the sprint grid in P6 for the 2021 Italian Grand Prix weekend. But then the actual starting grid, he then started... Where did he start? Oh, he actually ended up starting from the pit lane. Um, it says here, Gasly was penalised five grid places for an unscheduled gearbox change, demoted to the back of the grid for use of an additional power unit element and required to start from the pit lane as the car was modified under park Ferme conditions. But basically, he had a stinker in the sprint and it really impacted his race day. So this new set of rules is going to mean that that won't happen. Okay, maybe that was a bad example because he ended up having those changes to his car. But Sergio Perez, for example, in the first sprint that we ever had in Silverstone, went from being in a really good position at the start to going towards the back of the grid. And then that influenced his race come Sunday because he started much further back than he probably should have been because of his mistake in the sprint. So the idea is that it's not going to have that much influence over race day. Also, reading this directly from F1.com, it says points for the F1 sprint. That's not what I meant to read. Hold on two seconds. Uh, there we go. Leading on from this, the process for applying penalties at F1 sprint events has been set out as follows. Okay, listen carefully because this also sounds really confusing if you read it at quick speed. So any grid penalties incurred in first practice or qualifying will apply to the race. So if you, let's say, ram somebody off the road in FP1 or maybe cause a collision in qualifying, those penalties are not going to be affecting your sprint start at all. They'll be sent straight to Sunday's event and you'll have to serve them on Sunday's grid. Then on Saturday or sprint day, any grid penalties incurred in the sprint shootout will apply to the sprint. So if you do the crime on Saturday in the sprint quali or sprint shootout, it is officially known as, um, then you'll have to pay the time when it comes to the sprint later that, that evening. So same kind of thing. And then finally, any grid penalties incurred in the sprint will then apply to the race, okay? So that's the kind of overview of how penalties will work over this new weekend format. And then they say, in addition, a breach of Park Ferme will result in a pit lane start for the sprint and race, 
whilst power unit related penalties will only apply to the race. So that's the race on Sunday that they're talking about rather than the sprint on Saturday, um, unless they are also a Park Ferme breach. So, I mean, when uh, I, I watched Matt and Tommy do a Twitch kind of instant reaction to this news, and I'm not going to lie, Matt was like learning it as he went along and trying to explain this. I was getting super confused trying to trying to break down this from listening to their explanation on Twitch. And that's not a diss to Matt or anything like that. But, you know, I do worry a little bit that Formula One is in a super lucky window at the moment where you're getting so many new fans trying to discover it and learn about it and all of this cool stuff. But these these kind of rules, although they might make sense to us hardcore motorsport fans, right? For a new fan, like if I'm trying to explain this to my friends and be like, oh yeah, so this new format came in and if you get a penalty for this, but it doesn't apply to that race, but it applies to this race. And there's SQ2, but there's also just a Q2. And then you do, and like, it just becomes so unnecessarily confusing. And I can hear it now, these traditionalists going, back in my day, I don't know why I put these accents on. Why do I do this to myself? But back in my day, the fastest guy on track would be on pole and then he'd just have to drive and win the race on Sunday. And like, that's how it was. And it was very minimalist and it was easy. And, you know, now we're getting all of these sprint weekends and this and that and and trying to explain that to a new fan, like no insult to the, to the new fans coming in, but learning this massive wodge of rules it it's not going to be an easy thing i i don't think for 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 a new fan i know that there's such a willingness to learn about all of this like i was literally discussing at the front of the episode like there's all of this stuff to learn about formula 1 and the majority of people whether they've come in through drive to survive or different means of it like also love that aspect of it like I'm going to be honest, most of us F1 fans are a bit nerdy about this kind of stuff, right? Or I may, maybe I'm just on my own here, but like one of that's one of the cool things is learning about all of these, the history of the sport or the way that this rule works or why this happens for this reason and this kind of stuff. Sometimes for like maybe a more casual fan, I do worry about all of these sprint things and other elements. Um, it's just going to alienate these new fans or maybe even old fans to be honest with you that are just used to like flicking the race on on a Sunday and just watching 57 laps of good action but then the reality is that Max Verstappen got the quickest time in qualifying but he's had to take a 15 place penalty because he's changed three elements of his power unit you know Things like that, I, I worry that sometimes if you're just tuning in, it might be very confusing. I mean, look at Spa last year. Half the grid had a blimmin' engine penalty. But actually, talking of that, the commission meeting, which happened on Tuesday, um, they said that they've also changed the power unit usage. So they are giving the increasing the number of internal combustion engines, so the ICE, as it's also known, with also... Um, the turbocharger, the MGUH and the MGUK elements being changed from three to four, but that's only for this season for 2023. So there's also, I'm, I'm reading this off the F1 website, by the way, in case you're thinking this sounds familiar, but they've also updated the definition of working on a car while serving a pit stop penalty, uh, which is now going to be included within the sporting regulations. Obviously that became a very popular topic of discussion after Fernando Alonso and his penalty that he got a few races ago. So 
yeah, there we go. And then there's something about sustainability at the end there, which I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it could be interesting. Let's mention it anyway. So the sustainability initiative costs will be excluded from the cost cap. And that covers factors such as costs associated with installing sustainable infrastructure, auditing and monitoring of the competitor's carbon footprint and donations to charities engaged with the promotion of environmental sustainability projects and carbon offset programs. Lovely, simply lovely. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of update of the sprint changes. I personally think that the fact that it's now it's standalone thing, I, I much prefer that. I, I used to really get a bit miffed, to be honest, when you'd see things happen in the sprint and you'd be like, oh, well, that's completely ruined their, their Sunday. Whereas at least this way now, it should be a bit more of its own separate entity. Um, and if we get any crazy qualifying results, then they'll actually start from pole or wherever it may be for Sunday's race and not have it completely reversed in the sprint and all their hard work kind of gone to waste for just minimal points. So yeah, that's my kind of review of the sprint. And then my final point for this podcast, which I think is on track to be one of the longest ever, I know that some of you have said that you prefer the longer podcasts, so hopefully you are enjoying this little ramble that I'm going on, but that's Franz Tost. Now, if you're like Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, who said in a press conference a few years ago, who's Franz Tost? He is the Alpha Tauri team principal, and he's somebody that has been there for a long, long time. I mean, when you look at the list of people who have been team principals in F1, obviously we had a huge reshuffle, especially in the break between 2022 and 2023. Obviously we had Jos Capito leave, we had Mattia Bonotto, we had Fred Vasseur go from Alfa Romeo to Ferrari. Like We had a big old reshuffle, but uh, Franz Tost and Christian Horner have really been in their, in their job for a long, long time. So Tost took the reins at Alpha Tauri back in 2005. That's a long, long time ago. How old is Franz Tost actually? He turned 67 in January this year. So, you know, no disrespect to the man. He's he's a legend, but he's no spring chicken, is he? And especially with all of this traveling, like, I don't blame the guy. Put your feet up, babes. Have a lovely retirement. You've worked hard and you earned it. But he is going to be leaving at the end of the season. Some people saying this is a bit of a, a an interesting announcement because we literally have only just finished ra- race three. We're going into round four this weekend. But I guess maybe it's better to announce it ahead of time, stop that rumour mill from swirling. But yeah, he's obviously been at the team through highs and lows. Obviously, Sebastian Vettel won his first race there back in 2008. We also had Pierre Gasly and his iconic Monza moment that was in 2020. And there have been lots of really good moments for the team when it was Alpha Tauri, as it's known now, Scuderia Toro Rosso, as it was before. So he's somebody that has been in Formula One for a long, long time. He's going to be going. And in his place is going to be, and this is quite an interesting announcement, I think, that Laurent, and now I always say this wrong, Mekis, I think it is, um, he currently works at Ferrari. He's the assistant team principal at Ferrari and their race director, but he used to work at the FIA and he's somebody that I have got a lot of time for. He was previously the FIA safety director and I went and watched, um, what would you call it, like a lecture, I guess it was, at the Autosport International years, several years ago, and he did this, <laughs> it wasn't a show and tell, 
that makes it sound a lot less serious than it was but he was basically explaining the halo and this was before it was properly introduced if I remember correctly and so he was kind of explaining Fernando Alonso's Melbourne shunt that he had um, and how the halo would have still protected him and he would have been able to get out of the car okay and um, basically how the FIA review an impact like that um, you know, with all of these high-speed incidents, they're always looked over and reviewed by the FIA to see what could be done to make it more safe and all of this kind of thing. And I remember he delivered this presentation and I was like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's like supremely intelligent. He's very likable. And then he was promoted from safety director to F1 deputy race director in 2017, but then uh, was snapped up by Ferrari in apparently September 2018 as a sporting director and actually had links to Torosso before, which I thought was quite interesting and I didn't know. Apparently he used to be um, an engineer there, which is quite interesting. But yeah, he's going to be taking the reins over of that team in 2024 and uh, yeah, I think he'll be a good fit. He seems to be quite comfortable talking about these things. Like when he stepped in for Bonotto, for example, last year, um, he seems to be very capable of taking the reins of a, a Formula One team. And obviously it's an amazing amount of pressure for somebody, but I, I feel like he's going to be doing a good job. Wait for us to clip this up in a couple of years time. But um, I'm really happy to see him get given that opportunity. I think this is going to be a huge blow to Ferrari. I don't think we should underestimate um, what a kick in the nuts this is going to be for them, but hopefully they'll be able to promote some people internally, maybe even try and pinch a few others from other teams. But yeah, a really cool, cool move. And it has to be said, like, although we we joked at the beginning of this segment about like who is France tossed, which is what Lewis Hamilton said in this press conference, there's no underestimating like quite how much of an impact that he's had in even like our current Formula One grid. I mean, so many drivers have come through Toro Rosso slash Alpha Tauri that we have now. Obviously, the likes of Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz. I'm just rolling these off the top of my head. Daniel Ricciardo, although he technically started with HRT, but you, you get my gist. Um, who else have we had? There's going to be really obvious ones that you're going to be yelling at me on the other end of this podcast. Sebastian Vettel, though he did do a stint at BMW Sauber beforehand. Alex Alban, um, Pierre Gasly, the list goes on, okay, of people that have driven for that team. So he's definitely helped nurture a great generation of talent. And yeah, like I say, he's going to be here until the end of the season. So we can get on with she about that much later on. But for now, that was quite a big piece of, of news today. And like I say, I had recorded an episode all about Berlin and chatting through, I'd literally recorded it a few hours after I got back to my flat, but then F1 were like, nah babes, we're going to announce a load of news, and you're going to have to do another podcast, so there we go. Right, I'm probably going to end that here, because I still have to edit this podcast, and I'm not going to lie to you, tomorrow's quite a big day for me, um, because I have got some interviews lined up with some quite interesting people that work in Formula One, and uh, I can tell you more about it in another podcast. But uh, let's just say that one of the people I currently have their newly released book right next to my laptop. I'm looking at it at the moment and I'm going to be interviewing them tomorrow for something. So I need to edit this podcast and get myself an early night. And uh, I will speak to you guys all very soon. Thank you again for all your patience because I know that it's been a really long time 
since I uploaded. I've had my own little F1 mini break. I've done like F1 and I've not released an episode for three weeks. So now maybe I'll do like the F1 calendar as well and just spam you with episodes like they're spamming us with races. But hey, I'm not complaining and hopefully you won't be complaining for more episodes of Small Talk. Thank you again for your patience. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to leave me a five-star review if you are enjoying it. Um, share it with your friends. Find me on social media. Tell me that you're you're still here, that you're enjoying it. You haven't abandoned me because I haven't uploaded in like three weeks. And I will look forward to speaking to you all very soon for another episode. Take care of yourselves. And uh, yeah, enjoy the race weekend if I don't speak to you before. F1 is back, baby. Let's go. Oh God, I never know how to end these. Bye! Bye!